What's going on, guys? Sam Adams here, and welcome to another episode of Caffeinate. Today, for September the 4th, my name is Samuel Adams, and welcome to today's show. I hope you are all doing very well as I EQ audio on the fly. Today is a very light episode of Caffeinate. It's normally longer than this. That's what I say every time. (laughs) Haha, joke there. Uh, But... Uh, We do have a couple of stories that are worth talking about. So it's, of course, a gaming news show that I host live right here on YouTube.com slash Samuel Adams Media every single weekday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Time could be changing soon. We'll see what goes on, but I should be okay most days of the week. However, we might change it to where it's Caffeinate Night Edition. You never know what will come down the pipe. It's always going to be a fantastic show, though. Uh, So again, I appreciate you if you're joining me for the first time. If you're joining me for the thousandth time, you are the bomb diggity. But today's big headliner story is that the Razer Phone 2 is officially confirmed to be in the works, according to some official releases from Razer. Not official press releases, just some statements made about their finances. And there's some other interesting stuff in there, but I'll probably save that for another episode of Caffeinate later on in the week, because uh, Razer is hemorrhaging money. Uh, I will say that, and that's a little tidbit to get you to come back later on in the week. Uh, However, the Jacksonville Madden shooting survivor has sued EA and the tournament venue, or a Jacksonville Madden shooting survivor, which is an interesting story, which we'll talk about. I have some perspective on that that I'd like to apply uh, to the situation. Uh, Coming to us from Game Atsura, Sony is scrapping the PS2 aftercare service in Japan, which is kind of the end of an era for many people. The Xbox boss has responded to Sony's new statement on crossplay, in which they said that it was, of course, the best place to play, which is why they aren't enabling crossplay on Xbox One and the Nintendo console, as well as PC. And Destiny 2 Forsaken drops today, so for those that are interested in playing Bungie's Masterpiece, which originally was a steaming pile of turd, uh, then you might want to listen up for that, because I can tell you when it goes live in your region, Here's a hint. It's around 1 p.m. Eastern time, so you can go ahead and apply your general time zone to that. But we will talk about that in just a couple of minutes. However, welcome again to Caffeinate. And without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into today's news. First off, coming to us from 9 to 5, Google Razer Phone 2 is officially confirmed to be in the works PC software to extend to mobile market. An interesting little aside to the main story. Gaming company Razer launched its first Android smartphone last year, kicking off the gaming phone trend we've seen rippling through the industry ever since. Now, Razer has quietly confirmed that a sequel is incoming. In its most recent earnings report via AA, Razer officially confirmed that a second generation of its smartphone is in the works, but didn't provide too many details on what the second device would entail. Presumably, we'd seen updated specifications, including the Snapdragon 845 and perhaps a new design that thins out the bezels. The first Razer phone launched in November, but it's unclear when the second generation will launch and what name it will carry. Interestingly, Razer's earnings report also mentions that the company plans to bring some of its software and services from the PC into the mobile market. It's unclear exactly what this means, but perhaps Razer has plans on letting the Razer phone tap into the gamers on your PC, or games on your PC. For now, we'll have to wait and see. Here's a direct quote from that statement. With the successful launch of the Razer phone in late 2017, Razer has since been widely recognized as the industry forerunner, with the foresight of recognizing the unmet demand for and being the first mover to launch a mobile device for gamers, spawning a whole new category for the industry. The group is very pleased with the success of its first-generation Razer phone, which was released in a limited run and has garnered very positive reviews internationally. Razer is now focusing its resources on the development of its second-generation Razer phone and accompanying software releases, which will extend its software and 
and services from PC into the mobile market. And that, my friends, is where the story ends today. Really cool stuff here. Of course, for those that aren't familiar with the Razer phone, uh, it was officially, as the article does say, the first phone to really kind of cater to gamers. Of course, there have been powerful devices in the past, but this one was specifically built with the idea that you would be gaming on it. And that's a very interesting kind of perspective to take, and one that changes uh, the overall build and the overall quality of the devices that kind of run the phone overall. Of course, after this came out, uh, we've seen many companies kind of play catch-up and release gaming-oriented phones, and they've all been relatively successful because they are better for playing stuff like PUBG Mobile, Fortnite Mobile, more of these games that are coming out and are real, true-to-life gaming experiences on the go. And I think that there's a huge market for this overall. What's interesting to me the most out of this story, or what's most interesting to me, rather, is the fact that you do have this idea of allowing the phone to tap into the power and the software that is on the PC potentially. Of course, all of this has yet to be confirmed. This is all from an official press release for pretty much investors, uh, if you will. Uh, But to be able to tap into the power of the PC, use cloud streaming software uh, to allow an external device to kind of do the heavy lifting and then display whatever game you're playing on your mobile phone, perhaps even allow Bluetooth compatibility to where you could hook up an Xbox One controller, that means you could essentially play your games on the go uh, in kind of similar fashion to what the PlayStation Vita did with the PlayStation 4, uh, where if you have, say, God of War, you can literally play that on your PlayStation Vita thanks to control schemes set up for that specific device, and that's something we could very well see on the Razer phone thanks to some software from Razer. So to be able to play these games on the go, to be able to play stuff on your PC uh, whenever you're not at home or even if you just want to hang out on the couch and just kind of relax your back or whatever after slouching in a chair for eight hours a day, uh, you can do whatever you want with that and that's a very awesome idea. Uh, So if you do want to learn more about this, again, as always, the articles are linked down below, but this is literally a breaking story of what I understand. Uh, I didn't see too many people talking about this, so uh, either not too many people care or I could be the only one. I'm the best outlet for gaming news that the world has ever seen. Probably the former. But uh, if you did want to uh, hear more about this, I will keep you updated as to more information if it does roll out. Uh, But I would be looking forward to this sometime in 2019. I couldn't imagine this being a 2018 release. It's a little bit too late in the year, in my opinion, uh, for a phone reveal and a release, unless they did it kind of an instantaneously sort of way. Uh, But it sounds like it's just getting into the meat of the development. So again, who knows? Uh, But again... The Razer Phone, a quality piece of technology, if I do say so myself. But moving on to the next story of the day, Jacksonville Madden shooting survivor sues EA and the tournament venue. More survivors plan to file as well, according to Patricia Hernandez over there at The Verge. A victim of the Jacksonville shooting last week that left three dead and 11 wounded has filed a negligent security lawsuit that threatens both EA and makers of Madden, the game featured in the video game tournament where the shooting took place and the locale that hosted the qualifier. According to Kotaku, Jacob Midich was shot twice during the event, and now he's seeking damages on the basis that EA and the venue failed to provide a safe and secure environment. After the shooting, Jacksonville Fire Marshal shut down the game bar and the pizzeria where it was located, citing a failure to submit building plans that included the game bar as well as three fire code violations. These include blocked exits, using strip plugs as permanent wiring, and using extension cords as a substitute for permanent wiring. Fire Marshal Kevin Jones' code violation report says the tragedy would have not would not have occurred. Excuse me, if the pizzeria had followed the rules because the game room area would not exist. Midditch is not the only one planning a lawsuit. As USA Today reports, a personal injury law firm, Morgan & Morgan, has multiple clients who say they've suffered physical or emotional trauma and are preparing to file lawsuits in retaliation. Midditch trusted the event host and organizers and believed that he was walking into a safe space, Morgan attorney James Young told Gotaku. 
That trust was shattered when shots rang out in an overcrowded, since-shut-down, non-permitted space. Combined with an alleged object failure to provide adequate security, the result was tragic. We are bringing this lawsuit to hold those responsible accountable and to ensure that gamers like Jake are able to get together to pursue their passion without having to fear for their lives. Previously, victims of a mass shooting have tried to sue the venue where the tragedy occurred, but in the case of the 2012 Aurora Movie Theater Massacre, the plaintiffs ended up owing the defendants $700,000 instead. The Jacksonville shooting victims may have a better chance, however, given the fire marshal cited safety violations. EA did not immediately respond to a request for comment, but earlier this week, the company pledged to donate a million dollars to the victims of the shooting. EA also canceled the rest of the Madden tournaments that were scheduled for 2018, noting that it was going to spend some time establishing better security protocols with its tournament partners. Really interesting news story here. Uh, so this was reported on later on last week, but I was trying to not really capitalize or gain an audience off of talking about this kind of sad turn of events. I mean, I never really want to discuss any kind of shooting, as many people would never want to discuss a shooting in general. Uh, but it's something that needs to be discussed, because quite honestly, this is a security issue. And I talk about this mainly today, uh, because we did have PAX this past week, and we had PAX Prime slash PAX East, whatever you want to call it, depending on how old you are. Uh, and I saw a lot of people on Twitter talking about how there was literally little to no security at the venue whatsoever. Uh, Of course, with this happening just a couple of days back, you would think that PAX would have kind of stepped up and added more security, but of what I understand, there wasn't that much. Again, this is just what I see on social media, uh, so I could be very wrong about that, but I've heard that there was less than favorable amounts of security at the venue. And so, uh, to be able to really make an impact, you have to be able to hit people where it counts, and to file a lawsuit is a fantastic way to not only garner public attention, but also get the attention of a larger company and also a venue overall and venues who might be hosting these kind of events later on in the future. Uh, I think that overall, uh, any kind of event that has a gathering of people needs to have security in 2018. You have to be able to assure people that there is going to be a level of safety there that is acceptable and quite frankly many people fail to do that and so hopefully this will have a pretty awesome outcome to uh, be able to learn from the mistakes of the past and be able to ensure that more of these events in the future are able to effectively protect the people that are there just for entertainment or to have a good time Uh, and of course it's sad that we have to have this kind of protection in 2018 but it's something that we have to have so we can't forego it any longer Uh, but again that's just my two cents on that so uh, if you want to learn more about that. You've got stuff from Kotaku, USA Today, The Verge, a lot of people talking about this story, Uh, but it's going to be uh, definitely a transitional time for those that are into video game tournaments and the like, but it is a discussion that needs to be had, and it's a change that needs to be made, in my opinion. But moving on to happier news of the day, or not really, but not as bad as the previous news. That was a weird way to transition into that. But Sony is scrapping PS2 aftercare service in Japan. Sony is preparing to discontinue its PlayStation 2 aftercare service in Japan, meaning console owners will no longer be able to send an aging machine in for repair should disaster strike. As reported by Kotaku via a translated press release, Sony asked PS2 owners to fill out an online form by the end of August to have their console fixed up one last time, with all final repairs scheduled to be carried out by September the 7th. Given the system has been out for, uh, excuse me, given the system has been out of production for six years, now, it's a move that has been a long time coming. Still, it is a notable milestone for the console, which launched all the way back in March of 2000 and effectively means that anyone hoping to keep their PS2 running, in Japan at least, will have to fend off the ravages of time on their lonesome. Or, you could just take it to a local repair shop, which I'm sure could probably get whatever done you needed done. That was a really great way to say that. But overall, this is a uh, big milestone for the PlayStation 2, as the article does say. 
Because, of course, 18 years is nothing to shake a stick at. As a matter of fact, about 18 and a half now, if you really want to get into the nitty-gritty of it, if you want to talk about rounding up to October. Uh, but really cool to know that the PlayStation 2 is still going strong. Of course, not as many people play it these days. Uh, but it is an RPG machine. The thing can absolutely have hours and hours of good times right there in your living room if you've had it since March of 2000. You can always find new games to play on the PlayStation 2. It's got one of the biggest libraries out there. It is a absolutely it's a gem really. It truly is. Uh, And so if you have never played a PlayStation 2 I have one that I picked up on eBay for like 50 bucks. Uh, I would highly recommend you get one if you are into retro gaming. Of course if you're into high-end graphics and if you're into you know the lighting effects and the RTX capabilities of your newest NVIDIA graphics card, then you probably aren't going to be wanting a PlayStation 2. However, if you are into just the good gaming experiences, this is a fantastic way to give that a shot, and I would totally recommend diving in and seeing if it is something that you enjoy. However, if you do buy one in Japan and it does need a repair, you are out of luck because that is no longer going on. But again, there are so many aftermarket locations where you can jump in and you can get it serviced by somebody else that isn't necessarily Sony certified, but you can still get it fixed. So again, this is not going to be something that kills the PlayStation 2 by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but it is kind of the signal that Sony is beginning to kind of wean their way off of their older consoles and focus on PlayStation 3 stuff and PlayStation 4 stuff. And of course, the next thing to go is probably going to be the PlayStation 3, but that could be five years from now. Who knows? Hopefully, I'm still doing this show and I can tell you when that does happen and we'll see if that is the case. However, again, if you want to get your PlayStation 2 fixed in Japan, you better go ahead and write that off as a loss because you aren't going to be getting it fixed anytime soon. However, another instance of PlayStation beginning to wean their way off of good customer support, Xbox Boss has responded to Sony's new statement on crossplay. Sony, quote, still isn't listening to gamers, an Xbox executive says. Really interesting take on the situation. Sony's new overall CEO, Kenichiro Yoshida, recently made a controversial statement about crossplay, and now an Xbox executive has responded. Xbox engineering lead Mike Yabara said on Twitter that Sony, quote, still isn't listening to gamers about the crossplay situation. Sony's still isn't listening to gamers, Yabara said. All games should be cross-play and progression with the right input, flexibility, and gamer options. After someone pointed out to Yabara that Sony's PlayStation 4 has been outselling the PlayStation 1, for, or excuse me, the Xbox One for a long time, sorry, Yabara himself pointed out that Microsoft operates in the console and Windows PC space, which expands its gaming footprint significantly. He also suggested that Sony is doing a disservice to its users by not supporting cross-play. Quote, we run Windows and console, Yabara said. Larger gaming audience who wants to play together. Gaming is diverse, if you only serve to bring joy to part of an audience, then you are behind in many, many ways. Going back with what Yoshida said, he spoke at the IFA conference in Berlin recently and suggested that Sony doesn't allow crossplay because PS4 is the, quote, best place to play. On cross-platform, our way of thinking is that always that PlayStation is the best place to play. Fortnite, I believe, partnered with the PlayStation 4, is the best experience for users. That's our belief, Yoshida said, according to The Independent. Yoshida pointed out that Sony supports cross-play between PS4 and PC, and that going forward, the company will decide based on what is the best user experience. He added that he believes competition with Xbox and Nintendo is always good. Yoshida became Sony's CEO earlier this year after longtime CEO Kazu Hirai stepped down. Going back to Yabara and Xbox, someone asked for Yabara to explain why Microsoft requires a paid Xbox Live Gold membership for some free-to-play games and betas while Sony does not. He did not respond. For some reason, that was included in this article, even though it's completely irrelevant. Uh, so, games like Rocket League, Fortnite, and Minecraft support excuse me, cross-play between Xbox One and Nintendo Switch, but not PlayStation 4. Sony said a while back that it's confident it will find a solution about cross-play that satisfies gamers and meets business considerations at the same time. As of yet, Sony has yet to say anything more. And that 
is all there is to say about that. Uh, so, of course, this has been the talk of the town for the majority of 2018 because a lot of games, specifically Fortnite, uh, are not crossplay in total on PlayStation 4. Of course, this is a big deal because everybody was playing Fortnite and everybody relatively is still playing Fortnite. And so, to be able to jump on your PlayStation 4, play with your friends on Xbox One, play with your friends on Nintendo Switch and a mobile guy, that could be a fantastically revolutionary way to play games that I could never have fathomed about five years ago. Uh, That is what the discussion has been all about and I would love to see that become a reality. But when it comes down to it, Sony just is being a little bit uh, belligerent about the entire thing, if that's the correct word to use. A little bit... uh, a little bit hard-headed about the entire situation. Belligerent was probably a strong and incorrect word to use. Uh, but overall, I would love to see these changes made. But it seems like they're still kind of holding out and seeing if they can, in fact, ride out this generation. And I was listening to a podcast. I believe that it was uh, Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast with Colin Moriarty and Chris Reagan. And they were talking about what's going on here with the cross-play situation. And overall, I think there's this general belief, and one that I have adopted as well, uh, that PlayStation knows that the end of this console cycle is coming up and it's very quickly approaching. And so if they can stove off having to make a lot of changes on the back end, and they can put all these changes in on the newest generation of consoles, it will not only make it easier for them, but it will also require less resources. For instance, changing names on the PlayStation Network, that could be something that is built directly into the PlayStation 5. As soon as you start it up, you can choose if you want to keep your old username or if you want to change it on your PlayStation Network ID, depending on what your desire is. That could be something that they include in the infrastructure from here on out. Uh, In the same way, Crossplay could be built into the new infrastructure that they built for the PlayStation 5, and I I think that could be what we see here. Uh, Of course, I don't have any kind of confirmation that that's the case. I would love for it to be, but I don't know. Again, we're all just kind of shooting in the dark here. However, it is interesting to hear that the Xbox executive is still playing to the gamers and saying that they still aren't listening to gamers over at PlayStation. And I think that this is the kind of situation that sets Xbox up for a big comeback for the next generation. Uh, Because, of course, Xbox One sales have been dwarfed by PlayStation 4 sales over the course of the past five years or so. It just simply is what it is. They are absolutely getting massacred. That's what it comes down to. However, uh, when you're talking about what is coming up next, Xbox has been making all the right moves, buying awesome studios to develop independent games that are coming exclusively to Xbox. Uh, you're going to be getting a lot of crossplay between Windows and Xbox, so that means the PC guys might end up buying an Xbox One just to play in their living room, kind of in the same way you might buy a Steam machine or a Steam box or whatever Valve calls their little thing. Steam Link, there we go, that's the one that I was thinking about. Uh, but you have that coming for them, and on top of that, overall, very impressive hardware to boot. Uh, so we'll see what goes on here, but Xbox is making a pretty awesome message that they are going to be making a big comeback uh, when it comes to the next generation of consoles, but of course, this is all coming way on down the pipe. We should be hearing more about the next generation of hardware at next year's E3 conferences, because that is whenever it is on the main world stage, if you will. Uh, But, I will keep you guys updated on that when the time rolls around. However, as of right now, you aren't going to be playing any kind of game with anybody on the PlayStation 4, if you want to play with them on the Xbox One, or the Nintendo Switch, for that matter because Sony is still being childish about the entire situation. But that rounds out the official news of the day. However, today, Destiny 2 Forsaken is launching on the PS4 and the Xbox One, as well as the PC. And don't you love it whenever you go to express.co.uk and they have all these clickbaity metadata titles? Destiny 2 Forsaken release time for PS4 and Xbox One revealed. They have it in all caps right here, like it's some kind of big event. Uh, I mean, it is a big event, but you know what I mean. 
Oh, God, I love these. I love these not gaming gaming sites. It's hilarious. Uh, but Bungie is launching another big expansion for their hit shooter on all platforms today. The Destiny 2 Forsaken DLC is all about avenging Cade 6 and scoring up some top loot along the way. And Bungie has now confirmed the official release time for their new expansion. According to the latest information from the dev team, Destiny 2 fans will be able to unlock and play the new content from 6 p.m. in the UK. This means it's 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on September 4th for those players based in the U.S., which means it's 1 p.m. Eastern Time right here at the same time that all of the Bungie updates come to Destiny 2. However, Bungie has also warned that there will be some server downtime tomorrow, meaning a short period in which maintenance will be performed. This will start around 3 p.m. in the UK and will run all the way up until the new content is launched at 6 p.m. Quote, to prepare for the launch of Forsaken, Destiny 2 will be taken offline tomorrow, September 4th, for maintenance from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time, a message from Bungie does read. During maintenance, Destiny 2 update 2.0.0.1 will become available for download on all platforms, and as mentioned above, Guardians will also have to download a new update, which is expected to be quite small. Uh, probably a key to unlock all this content. The bulk of the big changes were made in Destiny 2 update 2.0, including the Gambit Mode DLC. However, Bungie has confirmed the patch notes for today patch will be shared following the launch of the Forsaken DLC, and here is the rundown that will be happening today, courtesy of Bungie. Of course, you have this kind of a rundown where they take down the servers, they maintenance, they put them back up, and then you get to play. So that's pretty much the lineup there. But if you wanted to jump on and play the new DLC that is coming to Destiny 2, which is pretty much kind of re-establishing the game as a major force in the gaming industry, because Destiny 2 had its name soiled for a very, very long time, for those that don't remember. Uh, I've seen the game, as I said last week, go for as low as $5, uh, and this is kind of the big comeback. So again, if you want to play that, uh, it's 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 6 p.m. UK, and of course, you can translate that into your own local region, but it's very exciting for Destiny fans that did want to see what is going on with this new DLC, which includes brand new modes. Uh, you got Raid coming, uh, which I think is coming on the 14th of September, if I remember correctly. Uh, you've got a lot of new loot to grind. It's always a good time, and they're changing a lot of things about the balance of the game and pretty much making it the best Destiny experience since, I believe, they introduced Rise of Iron or some kind of some kind of DLC that came out back in Destiny 1. My, de- my history with Destiny is kind of complex. I played the base vanilla game of D1, and then I started getting into the DLC, and it just kind of got too complex for me. And I was like, there isn't enough story here to keep me entertained. Just, it is what it is. Excuse me, sip of coffee. But I hope you guys have enjoyed today's episode of Caffeinated. If you did, be sure to follow me on Twitter at Pretty Chill Guy to know when everything else does go live. The videos, if I ever stream, if I ever post an article, if I ever share a meme or a fun idea. I find that my Twitter tends to be the best content that I make. As you can see, this podcast is not very good. Just kidding. It is the bomb. Uh, however, uh, if you happen to be new here, I appreciate you watching the video slash listening to the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Be sure to subscribe on a podcast feed of your choice, depending on where you do get your podcast from. I would appreciate that very much. But overall, I'm just glad you guys are here to watch and listen to what I have to say about all of the hottest video game news right here on YouTube.com slash Samuel Adams Media five days a week, because it is literally the best part of my day. That's that's where my life is right now. Just kidding. I have a good life, but I hope you guys have a fantastic one. I will talk to you tomorrow right here on another episode of Caffeinate, and peace.